welcome to a tale of two rivals, one nerd, one champ, who fiercely banter to bring you the best fantasy football podcast possible. Who am I joined by? FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Holy smokes, Todd. I know I start every time that's been too long, but it's been too friggin' long, man. It is. We've talked a couple times on the phone, man, but this is, it's like finding that summer love all over again. It, it, there's a spark that's been rekindled, thus talking again on the Tale of Two Rivals. It's just you and I tonight. Our buddy Sean Kennedy had a little medical procedure. He's getting, he's recovered. Nothing made, nothing too major, guys. He'll be back with us soon. But it's just you and I, man. It's just the two of us on the dance floor. Dude, let's call it what it is. Kennedy's not here because he couldn't handle the pressure of hosting. He needs to tap in, enter Sandman played, and I'm here. I'm back. I'm in the driver's seat. That's what this is about. Nah, we hope Sean well. <laughs> but anyways, um, no, man, I'm like stoked to get on the mic. We literally have had a hiatus because of life and various reasons for all three of us. Pandemic suck. <laughs> Wait, oh, that I forgot that's going on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Pretty nuts, dude. Checking in. I'm in 13 weeks with matchups. I made playoffs in nine of them. Ooh, I am ooh. a one or a two seed in six of them. So I have a buy in six out of my nine playoff perths, too. Not bad. Uh, in my Debbie leagues for my second year in college leagues, I finished second in both of those. And I am indeed the top seed again in our Dynasty League. And I am starting uh, writing for our rookie magazine for the IDP guys. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, Dingus is the guy who's actually in charge of that. So we work well with the Vipers. Going to be starting to work on rankings, and we're going to start divvying up guys. So I'm pretty excited to uh, work on that r- rookie mag. And uh, yours truly might be uh, recording some commercials to advertise. Recording commercials or taking some candid, some uh, photos? Yeah, you know it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> David, what's been going on with you lately, my friend? Really enjoying writing for Dynasty League Football. Check out my Opportunity Share report for running backs every week. I've uh, been getting a lot of positive feedback. It's basically just breaking down how running back volume is being used and their efficiency and just their outlook from week to week and how teams are using the running backs. Been a lot of fun. You're going to get a lot of information there. But also, I have been kind of adopted as the third child for the Rookie Fever podcast with Mike Fanaro, uh, the Feverish Fanaro on Twitter, and Shane uh, Shane Swags, Mr. Swags himself. Um, whoop, whoop. Rookie Fever has been a lot. I mean, Todd, you know that I get Rookie Fever quite a fun. So it's been a lot of fun appearing a lot on their show. So check me out there every two or three weeks on the Rookie Fever. I just, I literally just finished recording with the Monocle podcast before we hopped on. Our friends John and Tim over there. And I, my my podcast schedule is really heating up here. So I am excited for the off season. I would really like to stop the Dave Wright, the FF underscore Spaceman curse, Todd, with our trades that we've been going on. But I'm not sure if we want to do, we want to do question of the day first or trades first. Let's talk about trades, buddy. So well, let's give a little context here. So I am the back-to-back champ in our Dynasty League. Do you think I've mentioned that to them, Dave? Do you think the, the listeners know that I am the back-to-back champ? All right. So guys, just as a little pre- preface to this conversation, Todd, who has been giving terrible advice all season long on the Tale of Two Rivals, <laughs> is actually the back-to-back champ in our home Dynasty League. So that, that yes. Continue, Todd. What were you going to say? I give terrible advice, but yet I dominate. So point being is that Dave, at the time of this trade, was the second best team in the league, and I was the first best team in the league. Let's talk about the trade before the trade. 
Father Bernard, a loyal listener of the Tale of Two Rivals, um, who has really turned his team around in our home league, and he's actually made the playoffs this year. And I think it was the first time. But anyway, he, I traded him, Joe Mixon, Travis Fulgham before he just uh, turtled, Corey Davis, who has just basically become a, I don't even know, Terrell Owens reincarnated. And then... Oh, easy. I don't easy. I, Todd, just let me live my dream for a little bit. Uh, oh, Chase Edmonds, maybe. And then another player uh, draft pick. Anyway, it was a big trade. Got me Dalvin Cook. And I actually got this trade done for one sole reason, was to offer Todd, who just Todd's a very good team, was the number one team by a wide margin. And Todd, tell us about this trade. I did receive Delvin Cook, the highest scored running back in fantasy football, for DeAndre Swift and OBJ. So OBJ was my first ever pick in the startup for our Dynasty League, and I could not be happier to get him off my team because I could not stand having him. And on this podcast, I really tried to convince myself I liked him, and (laughs) I cannot stand him. So I am really happy to be on the dark side of that situation now. Uh, Dave, enjoy him. He's a pain to own. Uh, However, when Dave proposed this trade to me, I didn't smash accept because I know why Dave sent it to me, because I do worry about Cook with a little wear and tear, that age piece, because I do this podcast with Dave and he gets stuck in my head sometimes with that crap. He's got a tough playoff matchup. He does. But do you know who has the toughest playoff matchup in week 16? Swift. He plays Tampa. His receiving upside, Todd, is through the roof. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, in future seasons, I'm not really thinking about that. So I like the idea, and I had Eckler come back. So we we run three running backs. So I'm running out with Kamara, Cook, and Eckler for the playoffs. I'm not upset about that. So I feel primed, and I got to be honest, like, I'm selling out for a three-peat. And after I three-peat, I think we should reset the league because you guys don't stand a chance. Like, it's it's pure dominance. It's pure dominance, dude. That's what an aging team would say because he's aging. <laughs> That's amazing. But um, I liked how you told me that I, I, you got Swift for peanuts and that Cook's not even on Cashew's level. Todd, I like how that comment, peanuts. the throwaway comment, I like that that comment. So mind you, Todd, I'm in a very fragile place peanuts. because we made that trade literally three <laughs> hours before it was reported that Cook had a concussion. I mean, uh, Swift had a concussion. Yeah. Like, I died we can joke about like, oh, Dave Dave trades J.K. Dobbins and a bunch of crap for Miles Sanders. And then the best guard in football blows out his bicep or whatever. I mean, is done for the season. Oh, no problem. You know, that's no big deal. Injury after injury. And then literally three hours after we made that trade where I'm, it was a serious gamble. Like, yeah, I would be very happy with Dalvin Cook on my team, but I liked, I thought Dalvin Cook could actually, I mean, DeAndre Swift could actually outproduce uh, Dalvin Cook down the stretch. I didn't get to see that come to tuition or fruition, but I like that trade for now, not just the future. And three hours, Todd, three hours. Well, I, I so the funniest thing too is I was talking to Sad on the phone about that trade, and I said to him, I know for a fact Dave traded me Cook because of the playoff schedule, because I've been talking about playoff schedules for weeks with him. And it's true. Like, I'm not going against that. 
I think Delvin Cook might be the exception to the rule. Like, if you look at when he played, like, top rushing defenses, he's still putting up 60, 70 yards in a TD. You know what he, I mean? His volume so, is through the roof. Yep. Yep. Sure is, man. Um, I mean, this past week was nuts. Like, he went off. And so, Todd, I wrote about this. I wrote about this in my article, Todd, about Dalvin Cook. Mike Zimmer says, hey, let's, uh, we need to ease up on Dalvin Cook's workload here down the stretch to make sure we just need to take care of him. And then Gary Kubiak also says, like, he's really beat up right now. Uh, we really need to take care of him, get him right. And then they go and give him 41 running back opportunities, seven more than any running back has gotten all season long. 40. 41, some games barely have 50 snaps in a game, but he got 41 opportunities in that game. Astronomical. I don't understand how that happened when they say, oh, we got to take care of him, and he still gets 41 opportunities. Did you fall for coach speak? Did you fall for coach speak? It's not coach speak, Todd, when you're saying like, we got to take care of a guy. Two games he's left because of injury and come back. He's definitely beat up. He's seeing an incredible amount of touches per game. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're playing a wasn't it a, a, a cake match? Supposed to be a cake matchup? Is they playing Jacksonville? Playing Jacksonville he gets forty one touches against Jacksonville. Give me a break. Yeah, that that was kind of surprising. But anyways, so that that was a big trade for us and like the top of our standings too when that happened. So it was interesting. It was hard giving up Swift. That was I think yeah that was my only dynasty uh, share of Swift, which made it harder. But you know three P baby. Swift plays. I'm the second seed this week. I'm not. I lost because Swift was out. Yeah, but if you played, if you still had Cook, you could have possibly been the two seed too, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Todd. Todd. <laughs> <laughs> it was a gamble, and I, it was a gamble, Todd. It hasn't paid off. But luckily, it's a whole real. new season. Whole new season, Todd. We're in the playoffs. I'm coming for the you. Black spot. The black spot. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Yes. All right. So, in other news, I just want to talk about quarterbacks. Taysom Hill. He's a legit quarterback. Todd's Over two one. games, completed 70%. Yeah. 70% completion percentage over that in two out of three games. Dave, didn't you say he couldn't throw and be a quarterback in the NFL? He's looking pretty good. He's 3-0. He's pretty legit. Are you eating some crow here, buddy? 300 air yards against the Atlanta Falcons. Slow clap for Taysom Hill, baby. Oh, my but, God. But also, I mean, we got the rushing upside, too, for the fantasy piece. But Taysom Hill, he's being efficient. He's showing that he can, like, move an NFL offense, three, you know, over 70% completion. He, he's efficient. He's efficient, Dave. The long-term listeners of the Tale of Two Rivals need to realize that this is Todd. Todd's insecure right now because his boy, Alvin Kamara, has taken a hit as Taysom Hill at the helm. He's lashing out because he's seeing his his RB1 just be vultured by Taysom Hill. And that is messed up. I agree. <laughs> I did him a favor by drafting him in the teacher bowl or whatever the the teacher thing was. I picked me and Sean and actually our whole league picked Taysom Hill for Todd to help him down the stretch because I thought Todd was such a good drafter. He didn't need a first round pick. But he could rely on Taysom Hill down the stretch. But no, Todd probably dropped him by now. Todd's probably not in the not in the playoffs. Huh, Todd? Nope, nope. Huh? I started in the last two weeks. I started in the last two weeks. And you know what? I'm the one seed in the toilet bowl, baby. I'm doing pretty well. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I did not do well in that week. That is one of the four out of 13 I did not do well. One more thing, Todd. We, we are having a lot of banter, and that's because we've, yeah. we've missed each other. We're not recording in a while. But in 2K, our league of record, who is the one seed? <laughs> Dave, congratulations. You're finally a one seed in a one keeper league. You finally have arrived. Congratulations. This is it, Dave. You celebrate those small victories. Progress is important. Progress is important. Now, who's the two seed in that league? You are, sir. But I, just, I am looking forward to becoming part of the executive board. <laughs> hey, man, congratulations. There, we could see each other in multiple championships this year. That would be fun. What if we were like in like three against each other? That would be intriguing. I think that would have to have that would have to have a Twitter feed. Yeah, you and I are contenders in IDP against each other. Yeah, yep. we are. I think you and I have actually Tier Two Rivals as a whole has had a great season. We've we've missed on a few players, but our fantasy teams are doing very well right now. Absolutely, dude. You talked about your leagues. I've only missed the playoffs in one league. And that was the free league that we did back in March. And that was just because I didn't pay as close attention to it as, as possible. And, and a couple of things didn't go right. But that is the only league I did not make the playoffs in this year. Yeah, it was a quarantine filler. Advance, Todd, to the second round of the Scott Fishbowl playoffs. Whoop, whoop. Yep. So representing the pod there. So I'm excited. Yeah, I move on to the second round of the IDP Invitational as well. I did not get a buy, but I'm a little upset about that because I just missed. But hey. Second round, moving on. Going to crush somebody. All right, question of the day. We're going to get a little seasonal here. Turkey's done. It's officially now the festive season, and TV's a big part of that. What is your 101 Christmas movie? I'm going to go with, this is an under-the-radar. I bet this is not in most people's top 10. Probably not even on their radar at all. But is 1970 film Scrooge featuring Albert Finney? It's a musical adaptation to A Christmas Carol. The music numbers hit every time. It is a movie that my parents and I and my sister still watch on VHS to this day. Every season that we get together for Christmas, scenes of all the ghosts from Christmas past, our present and future, are really spot on for 1970s and it still holds up. It's a great film. So 1970 film Scrooge with Albert Finney. Not, I bet that was nowhere on your radar. Nope, not at all. I vaguely think I know of that from being on TV from time to time. But that's like one of those like classic family ones. Like my family, it's like Christmas Vacation, Caddyshack, and like Vacation. Like I can quote those movies since I was like 16. Obviously Christmas mm-hmm. Vacation would make it onto mine for honorable mention. So I had three honorable mentions on top of that. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Love that movie. Obviously Home Alone. And a newer movie, The Night Before, is absolutely freaking hysterical. I love the that movie. The Night Before? I don't know that one. Yes. With Joseph Gordon-Levin, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levin, Anthony Mackie, and Seth Rogen. Phenomenal movie. Hmm. Hysterical. Kind of like a Judd Apatow kind of a play, but it's not Judd Apatow. Anyways, my favorite Christmas movie of all time is The Muppet Christmas Carol. I am a huge Muppet fan, and I believe that Gonzo deserves an Oscar for his roles as Charles Dickens. It's unbelievable. Like, so many classics, like Sam forgetting that he's British in the show, like in the movie, that's amazing. The banter between Rizzo and uh, Gonzo, like the lamp, not the rat, classic line. Uh, I thought the ghosts were really well done, and Michael Caine just killed it 
as Scrooge, dude. Killed it. And how awkward and challenging of an actor do you have to be where all your co-stars are not real people? What? I mean, Michael Caine it's is crazy. so good, Todd. Michael Caine is so good that so every good movie he's everything. in, it's basically every movie's a Muppet movie for him. That's how his co his co stars are. He's unbelievable, dude. He's unbelievable. So yeah, Muppet Christmas Carol all day. Jackson got into it for about the first number, and then Joe, like with the ghosts and stuff, like my son's two. She goes, "Do you think this is like okay for him?" And I was like. Yeah, I don't know. So, like, you know, only the happy stuff he's been watching. But he's definitely going to see Rizzo say, light the lamp, not the rat, because Dad still laughs at that part every time. All right, so let's get to the topic. We're almost 20 minutes in, and uh, we haven't talked, like, well, we talked a little bit about fantasy, but let's get to the topic. Today's topic is the 2020 Rookie Redraft. Superflex format. You guys know that's how we play. Play Superflex or don't play. So, we're going to go through round one. Might touch on round two. Get through round two. We'll see around in time. Obviously, we're going to just trade off picks, see how things go. We'll start with the 101, give you both each other's views, and the 102. So, I thought it'd be good, real quick, how do we go about assessing a redraft? So, the way that I made my picks is, the one thing that I feel that comes out after the fact is longevity. You can tell after a guy's rookie year, if they have it or they don't long-term. Injuries, whatever. You can't predict those, right? So longevity, whether they're going to be a serious player in the league for a long time. Production, obviously a huge part, would be my second part piece. Whether they have an established role or there's a potential for an established role coming in the future, then it comes ceiling, and then at the very end is my bias. I just like the guy. David. How did you go about, how does your process work for the redraft? So obviously 2020 production, the NFL matters a lot to me because we can all have our college, uh, our assessments, of their college profile, but what they did their rookie year means a lot. Now, am I throwing out my entire process beforehand? My rookie, my rookie evaluations? No, I'm not. I still think, especially for wide receivers, my rookie evaluation holds on for longer uh, but for why, but for running backs, I'm more willing to accept the immediate information that I have. But obviously, I care a lot about market value. Uh, I care about immediate production, their age arcs, their player, like their positional value. That's those are things that all matter for me. So I'm excited to see how we kick this thing off, Todd. You won the coin flip before the podcast starts. You get the 101, sir. Are you are we ready to kick this thing off or what? Oh, I'm ready to kick this off. So with the 101. In the Tale of Two Rivals 2020 Rookie Redraft, FF Banterman selects Justin Herbert, quarterback, Chargers. Ooh, ooh. drama to start off the pod. I, I mean, start off the, the draft. I love it, Todd. Why, why are you going Justin Herbert? All right, so my big thing about, like, QBs matter in Superflex. And when you get a young QB that's proven that he can play in this league, he put up big games, I mean guys were like really down on this guy and he's been quite a story i mean i think in like if you go back to our rookie thing i even said i didn't like him but i wouldn't let him go past the 107 because the potential was there the potential for me to be wrong is in my opinion was there and that's exactly what i'm talking about i was wrong this guy is definitely locked in as a starter he's got great pieces around him that are not super old i mean not like the youngest pieces but you know he's exceeding expectation 
I do think people's expectations are a little unrealistic, like the kind of level of hype he's been getting in the community. People get a little too excited. But at the end of the day, you're looking at locking in a QB for who knows how long. And the kid's shown on tape and in the numbers that he's going to produce in this league. He is not easily my 101. I was a one other guy I consider here, but based off his production, he has to be the 101 for me here. Thoughts, Dave? So I have a lot to say about Justin Herbert. I He is my QB1 in this class now. Mm-hmm. I think he has shown it. The thing is, is that people want to move him up to QB5, QB6 right now in Dynasty. Where is he overall right now for you in, in Dynasty? Do you know off the top of your head or no? He's probably around like 6-8 range. Okay. So I think the thing is, if you've got to pay premium to premium here, now he was... I think the buy window is done for Justin Herbert. I think you cannot, what he's going for now is the QB6, I think, overall in November ADP for DLF. I think he might be up to number QB5 in December ADP. I'm just guessing right now, but that is too high of a price to pay for a rookie. The problem with Justin Herbert is, is that his TD rate is a little high, not extraordinary, but just a little high. And also he's attempting almost 39 passes per game. I don't think that is a sustainable level. I think volume is really boasting up his performance. I still I still like him. I just don't want to pay I'm not I'm no longer giving God of other offers for him. We've seen him actually regress a little bit the last two weeks, and he's not my one on one overall in Dynasty Todd, believe it or in this rookie draft, believe it or not. No, I totally believe it. You don't really believe in spending that kind of capital on a QB. See, this is where I come in saying it's there's a ceiling there. If he regresses, he'll still be a startable piece, right? There's a great floor to this pick. So take that, use it as a building block. Now, yeah, are you not, are you passing up on positions with more scarcity? Of course you are. But you're also locking in a starter on your team for a long time that's shown that he can make every NFL throw. He's just been flat out dirty in some games, Dave. With with not very good coaching, uh, yeah, it, there's a lot of things that he's come above on. I agree with I agree with you. What yeah. you're saying. I don't disagree with what you're saying, Todd. I tend to think you devalue uh, QBs and Superflex too much. So for me, like this is a home run for me. This is why it's kind of like my Burrow argument in the beginning of the year, except it's just a different player. You know what I mean? Justin Herbert, 101. Dave, I will say, Todd. I know we're going to talk about this a lot in the offseason. The QB. Landscape is changing drastically. There are going to be veteran QBs on the move that we thought they're going to be in for certain places. There are there are the old Star Wars are leaving. There's a lot that's going to be there, there's rookies rising. There's going to be new new uh, 2021 rookies coming in. There's a lot change the QB position. So I think my I might have discounted QB after going into the rookie draft, but I actually am raising it up a little bit after seeing them play like. Seeing Justin Herbert in the year one, I've seen it now. I don't have to project it from a rookie. So I value QB a little bit more. So he's actually my, he'd be my 102, Todd, not my 101, but he's my 102. So it's not like I'm, I'm totally devaluing it too much. Okay. I'm happy to hear that. You, I've seen growth in you, David. That's good to know. What I was going to say about that, though, too, is, is that you just said after the 2021 draft for QBs, correct? I think the 2022 uh, NFL draft's getting a little slept on. Uh, in the Debbie community, and there's a lot of good QBs in that draft. So it's going to get interesting. In I know the, near the North future. Carolina QB is really disappointing. That's all I know. 
Uh, Sam Howell is still going to be a legit player, and he's still going to yeah, he's still going to step up. You got Slovis there. That was a I know. troll. I know that was a troll. I mean, yeah, Spencer Rattler, uh, Jaden Daniels. I mean, plenty of time to get into that later on. But yeah, lots of good QBs coming in the next two drafts. Dave, one hundred two. Who you got? It is DeAndre Swift. Uh, I think he <laughs> really. Yeah, no, I think it's DeAndre Swift. I think he is a Alvin Kamara-esque type talent. I think he has a rushing floor, a receiving floor. I think he's that good. I think I think people, after the last couple of weeks of him not being in there, it's tempered him a little bit. But he is, Todd, he is that good. He's already going in the first round of DLF mocks. For, I, he is that good. He's my, 10, he's my 101. So I'll happily get him here at 102. Okay, here's my thing with Swift. I can totally buy in on him being the number one running back, a positional play, uh running back or wide receiver, we'll say, to come out of this draft. What's happening in Detroit and not really knowing how that whole situation's playing out, that's what bothers me. Alvin Kamara is Alvin Kamara because of Sean Payton. You know what I mean? You can't discount the fact that Kamara's like ability and production isn't helped by a phenomenal offensive coach. That's my thing about Swift that really irks me is Detroit made the right move and they're cleaning house, but you don't really know what that next step's going to be, who's coming in, and yeah, that's my only issue with Swift. I We talked about Swift. I'm pretty sure, like in our rookies, I said that he could have been easily the best rookie running back in this class. We did. He was my rookie or wide receiver or running back three, and I and yeah. I got a little shade for that. Well, I think I. I mean, I always like Swift. I think my big issue with like with Swift versus that is I think I think I was on Dobbins because Dobbins was on the Ravens. You know what I mean? It was landing spot. But I always felt that Swift was at possibly the best uh, player in that draft for like just player talent. I had a tough time between him and Taylor. I think that Swift was a more complete player. Taylor was a more natural runner. But yeah, man, I like this pick. I do. Um, I'm only laughing because I do think it's a little ballsy over a few other guys, but I like it. I like it, Dave. I like it a lot. He has he got limited opportunity to start the season, but once they gave him the reins, he went off. I preach this all the time. But receiving floor makes him so safe. But we had lots of worries about him going into the season. Like the Lions could ruin it. Like the, it's, he's on the Lions. But he is shown as a pure talent at running back. He's been special. So that's why I'm willing to invest him as my 101 in this class. Hey, man, I'm cheering for him. I think he's a phenomenal talent. I, 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 I want him to do well. So I love the pick. It was hard trading him. I want to see what happens at 103, Todd, because I think this is the interesting part in this draft. Take a guess. Who do you think it is? Uh, Joe Burrow. After that injury? No. No, no, no. No, no. It's Tua. Okay. I'm Tua. glad you went here. I'm glad you went here. Tua for sure. So Tua, we talked. So it's actually kind of. <laughs> this is ironic. This is the argument we had about Burrow or Tua. I didn't want to until I saw that he was proven to be healthy. And now here we are after what happened to Joe. I'm not too laughing about Joe. It's just very ironic. I feel a little vindicated, Todd. You I sh- feel a little vindicated. I, Dave, I know how excited you got in those videos of him in those shorts, man. You know, like he looked great in those shorts, but I wanted to see him on the field. They look very healthy. He did. And again, look very healthy. <laughs> in those shorts, he looked real healthy. So... Uh, it only took three starts for me to buy in. I mean, pre-injury, he was my 101, and 
I honestly believe before that injury and after Burrow's historic season, if Tua was healthy, I would have definitely had him as a one-on-one. I was a big, big Tua guy. The whole thing about, like, it was so obscure, like, what you could find out about his health and all that, which I get. But you saw him on the field. You saw what he's doing. He's got, you know, some good pieces around him. I think Forrest has done a pretty good job in Miami. A good job? A- amazing. I think he's yeah. to be considered for coach of the year. I mean, I know that probably, yeah. like, Steelers are going to get it or Mike Tom's going to get it. But sure. what they've done in that turnaround in that organization has been special. Yeah, and he's and I think that, like, you got... Parker's a good player. I think Gusecki's going to continue to improve. I think Preston Williams, when he's healthy, adds draft that. Draft capital up the yin-yang. Yup. And I think, like, you know, if somebody said to me about the idea of, like, Miami drafting Jalen Waddle, and I was like, oh, man, that's a perfect fit, man. Because you'd have, like, Williams and Parker's on the outside, and Waddle can play that slot. Then you got Gusecki. Ooh, boy. Yeah. I mean, they had another piece around that. And Tui gets a full year under that. He's a special player. I had a hard time possibly not putting him over Herbert. Because I would say, if you want to say who has the higher ceiling between him and Herbert, it's Tua. But Herbert's production cannot be ignored, and that's why I had to go over him. So Tua was actually going to be my 102. So I was going to go QBQB, and Swift was not my 103. But I'll leave that at that. Any thoughts on Tua, David? Tua, um, I thought he'd be a little bit more accurate than he has been. Now, his accuracy is not where I would like it to be. And I think it's because... What has been happening in, in Miami is that Brian Flores, is the big thing for New England quarterbacks, and what I think Brian Flores believes as a defensive-minded coach is don't turn the ball over. I haven't looked this week because it's just been a, a whirlwind of a week, but through 12 weeks, Tua had one turnover, I believe, Todd. One turnover. And that is a very promising stat for a rookie quarterback to not turn the ball over. Ball security is very indicative of future talent, and I I like Tua. I think they've had the training wheels on him a little bit because they've been like, hey, like this is a defensive oriented team. Our running our offensive line's been actually surprisingly okay, but we're going to be better in years to come on offense. Hopefully, they add more talent around Tua. And Miles Gas has been a surprise, but all this thing, I think they've had the training wheels on him a little bit. I I'm excited to see what year two looks like when they give him the whole offense around him and they totally design the game plan around him and, and they have a whole offseason and they add arms around him, I think Tua has shown why I had Tua. If you remember when we were doing our ranking show, I was flip-flopping even after the Tua injury about who my 101 QB was. Yeah. That was a, and I feel very, I don't think that like, oh, I was made the right decision. I just feel very confident going forward where Tua is. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is, like, when you see the flashes of Tua, it's, like, obviously he's had, like, two really good games, the games against Arizona and the Bengals, and then, you know, he had a pretty good game against the Chargers, like, you know, under 200 yards passing, but had two TDs, but what you, you know, see with him, like, actually playing is that, like, this guy's an NFL quarterback, and he's exactly why you put the capital into him, and the other thing about that turnover is, Dave, it was a fumble. It wasn't yep. even a pick, yep. so that's a big, big deal right there, so... I like it. All right, Dave, 104, who you got? It's This was a tough choice for me. Uh, it's probably not who it is between for you. I'm actually going Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, Minnesota Viking. Uh, I am flip-flopping between we my and my We are very brothers. different. We are very different. <laughs> if I was really to give people an honest rankings, I would have CeeDee Lamb 
and Justin Jefferson tied. They are really tied for me. I think Justin Jefferson, what he has done with a with with Kirk Cousins, with Adam Thielen already there in a low volume offense, his efficiency, all of his peripheral numbers are just astronomically good. Every number that I have preached about, scrim yards per play, uh, target share, whopper, everything up there is a top 12 as a rookie, as a 21-year-old rookie with Adam Thielen on the team, with Dalvin Cook eating up opportunities, and Kirk Cousins, who had a tough start this season, but who has come around. I just think Justin Jefferson, well, I don't think he has the like the pure take over the league at the wide receiver position type upside. Like CeeDee Lamb could be the wide receiver one. I think CeeDee Lamb could, has the, the. I talked to Zach Reed about this actually, and Zach Reed put this mind in my head from Dynasty Dummies, Tacit Assassin 13 on Twitter. He put this in me. He said that Jefferson Jefferson is so good at route running and doing all these things, but CeeDee Lamb has a physicality to him that could beat different types of coverage that once Dak returns, that could remind us of that him being that upside. So I, that's why they haven't tied. Whoa, 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 whoa. I said the exact same thing to you before C.D. Wayne was even drafted, and you made fun of me about the physicality piece, about he was an animal. Todd, I and don't now think that I made fun Zach of you. I just doubted it. It his, based on his side a little bit. No, Zach's legit. But, yeah, I'm um, going to say, Todd, don't you be smirching Zach here, my No, friend. I'm not. I'm not. But I literally said the same thing to you, but yet I get a different reaction. And I, But I also get to see more. It's like, I got to see some, Todd. I got to see it in the NFL. It was and literally I had some in Oklahoma, doubt. too. He did the same thing, dude. I don't know. It's the Big Ten. It's the Big 12. It's a yes. little bit different. A little yes, different. I get that. But my point is, is that, like, yeah. So I like Jefferson a lot. I mean, Jefferson was my number two wide receiver. So at 105, uh, sorry, you have him 104. Um, route running, dude. That's the part. So, like, you're a big numbers guy, but on film, man, the way this guy gets separation is special the way he sets up coverages as a 21 year old wide receiver you're like is he gonna get better too like that's crazy now it's not close for me in wide receiver it's not even remotely close between jefferson and lamb for me it's not because the 106 the 105 pick excuse me is cd lamb and i had him at the 103 if i had the 103 i had him after the two qbs now, the fact that you took Jefferson is more surprising to me based off the fact that I really thought you'd go, you know, with another running back, position scarcity, blah, blah, blah. However, CeeDee Lamb is the best all-around player, period, in this class. He's my top non-QB player. He's my top player in a non-super flex format. He's been inconsistent with terrible, with, with terrible QBs with him. And there's, for some reason, well, what we've seen, there's still some untapped potential there and the highest ceiling possible. He's the best bet to be number one in his position in this class, by far. And there's some jumping off that bandwagon once due to the QB struggles. This guy has fluctuated so much with value throughout the year. But CeeDee Lamb is a special talent. And CeeDee Lamb could very easily be the best wide receiver in the NFL within two years. And I said that before he played a football game in the NFL, Dave. So suck it. I'm not denying anything you just said. I have them literally within a hair's breadth of each other. I just chose Justin Jefferson just to because to be different than you. 
Uh, and not just that, but what CeeDee Lamb is doing at this age it, and what he's going to do with Dak if he returns. There's just so much positivity. He's, he's who I would have picked after you. So, but that was, was that 105 with CeeDee Lamb for you? Is that right? If we're doing this right? Yep. And he went nine in our draft and I had the 10 pick. Anybody but Kennedy, dude. Anybody but Kennedy picking him, I could have actually possibly traded for. But he's a sick dude who just wanted to watch me spin instead of actually trading me the guy. All right, so ah. we've spent a lot of time. I think we're gonna we're gonna boost up our speed right here. Yep, yep, yep. My next pick is going to be Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think I'm at 106. And what I think was we're starting to see is that Jonathan Taylor, not only is he can as he a big playability, and he's got the size. He's starting to find his rhythm as far as reading his blocks, but also he has more receiving upside than we than I even thought was possible in year one. Do I think he'll ever get 80% of the touches based on how how they are using running backs in Indianapolis? Maybe not, but I think Jonathan Taylor is that good. People love to hate on him based on what we talked to a lot of t- taught about expectations going into the season. Jonathan Taylor, we've seen the last couple of weeks, is still the real deal in my opinion. I love that pick, dude. I, I love Taylor. This is the pick that was hard for me. Like, So I had Taylor, I would have had Taylor as the first running back off the board too. However, it's really close to James Robinson, and that's who I'm taking at 107. All right? Whoa. So with James Robinson, you have to be able to respect the production, dude. Okay, I'm a believer now with him as a dynasty asset, though I was that guy saying tr- sell him early on in the season. And I still think that that's a fine move, and then sometimes you get burned by that stuff. But also, when you're selling high in a guy like that, you're still getting a, a like a good return for something that at that time was a good move, you know? So he's one of the more reliable backs week to week, all year. I'm not talking rookies, period. One of the best all-around backs week to week, all year. Carries have been consistently increasing, and Dave, targets have been consistently increasing. Yeah, he's getting like Solid four targets. something per game. Very yeah. Good. Right. And the only thing about it is he really hasn't been playing too many challenging defenses against the run. Though film shows he's a legit project. The numbers are there. Honestly, he probably should have been higher because of the position scarcity piece. And I don't really know what Robinson's ceiling is, but you can't deny the production. Now is the time to believe. And if you get burned, like you bought in for a guy who just came out of nowhere and just took the league by storm as a rookie. James Robinson in 107. I will disagree him at 107. I like James Robinson. The problem is, is I think this class is amazing, Todd. I this do too. A, I do this too. This class, I don't think the entire time we've been talking fantasy football, 2014 had some wide receivers that were special. I think it was 2017 had some really special running backs that was underrated. Uh, even though, there's some special parts of classes, but the overall class right now that we've gone through has been special. One to one, you went Justin Herbert. Then I went uh, DeAndre Swift. Then you went Tua. Then I went uh, Justin Jefferson. Then you went CeeDee Lamb. And uh, then I went Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. And then you just went James Robinson. I like James Robinson. I think he's still worthwhile investing in. What he's done on that team and everyone knowing that he's getting 17 touches per game. He, yes, that offensive line has been better than we thought it would. That quarterback play has been substandard. That defense has been terrible. He's still producing. He leads the league in opportunity share. He's a good player. However, volume is king, and that's what's making that way. But volume in itself is not sticky year to year. Like he's doing that with Chris Thompson 
and Divine Oxibo as and uh, Dare Agubunwale as competition. Sure. If sure, if they even just adju- invest a fourth round pick, who's more of a pass catcher, that could just take a fraction of. I'm not saying like James Robinson value is going to tank. I do not. I think he's a legit NFL player. I think he is a mm-hmm. valuable fantasy asset. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Do I think he's going to lead the league in opportunity share for the next three years? No, I do not. That's the only thing. I'm All right, let me ask you this question. What if they don't do that? What if they do let him be the guy that he has been, and he's proven he can be? What if they say, like, we struck gold here, and we're going to ride him? Yeah, Todd, I, I don't just— But I, no, but that's what look, I'm saying, though. Is what I like I'm saying him. is, like— I like him. I just No, say, I know you do, but I'm trying to say that that's where I think that that's where, at this point in the draft, that's why I like him. When we're doing a redraft, it's tough because I feel like we're reinvesting capital. If he's Absolutely. on my team, it's like when you make a draft pick, it's like you're investing capital. 100%, and dude. I want If he was just on my team, I'm extremely happy. But do I want to acquire this capital because there feels like there is some risk? Sure. Ready, you should, we sure. should have acquired him by now. I give you that. So when you're re-putting in capital as a mid-first, right? And there are other guys that, sure, like you can make an argument for. I'm trying to say that I'm investing in what this guy has done and continues to prove. And the reason why we don't like look at him versus JT, right? Where you took Taylor over him. It's because of the pre-draft piece. And there's guys that we miss on, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Todd. Never. Never. Right. So my point being is that, like, this is honestly James Robinson. This pick is me going against my arrogance. That's what the pick is. You know what I mean? Me saying to myself, I was wrong. This guy could be legit. And this, if I hit on this, I hit big. If I miss, there's a chance that, like, I don't miss that bad. I get that. I know exactly where you're coming from. And that's actually literally what I said was saying, like, I don't know what his ceiling is, which is kind of what I was trying to get at, where you're talking about, like, you know, them cutting to the work share. But we'll see, man. Anyways, what's the 108 for you, buddy? 108 for me is I think this is when we could go back to Burrow here. I'm still... This is where the the Burrow side continues for me. Really? It really is. I think I'm going to go. I think I think you got to go J.K. Dobbins here. Okay. The upside in Baltimore, we're starting to see him take over this backfield. He had that a COVID week, but before the COVID week, he started to take over that backfield. And I don't remember the 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 split right off the top of my head. I haven't gotten to him yet when I'm writing my article. But Dobbins got the touchdown late. I think, it, and this offense is kind of struggling still, but. They're gonna. They're, I think they're gonna revert back to some kind of revert to the mean. I think the idea of when Ingram's gone, Gus Edwards could leave, but I still think Gus Edwards gonna be around. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards backfield. J.K. Dobbins is just too. He, he's great in open space. That offensive line can create holes. I, I'm going J.K. Dobbins here. I'm gonna try to speed it up too after this. Okay, right, but I'm sorry. We have to talk about Gus Edwards. Is the thing. Have I not been talking about Gus Edwards for a long time? Todd, that is one of your best calls so far this year. I, I. You should actually comment about how much I poo-pooed Gus Edwards. Yeah, you did. And I told you that he's a phenomenal... If he's not a thing, dude's about to get paid. Well, not that much, but paid enough that he's going to be playing somewhere. get paid more than Malcolm Brown did. I'll say that much. Yeah, man. Hey, Gus Edwards, baby. Called it. All right. 109 pick. Dave's favorite wide receiver prospect, T. Higgins. Dave hated on this guy. Hated on this guy. I came around. And on so did Lanny, time. too. 
uh, I yeah. came around on him. Yeah, what? Yeah, I came around once he actually played. Whoa. No, before right. that, before that, once he was dra- I came around. So my big thing with him was that I always worried about with him. He's a big guy, great high point, good athlete. Really seemed like a guy that was going to be like a rich man's like Mike Williams and like be like a red zone target, right? He is so much better after the catch than I expected, you know? Like, beyond what I expected. He even has five rush attempts. They're just trying different ways to get the ball in his hands. When a guy like like T. Higgins is getting rushing attempts, I know it's only five, but that's definitely showing they're trying to get creative and find ways to get him in different places, you know? You know, put up that 125 game against, like, Indy in week six, uh, which, is a, which was a top passing defense at that time. I'm a believer in Burrow. If he can get healthy, that hurts this pick a little bit for me. I don't really know what they're going to do in the interim, but sign a vet for a year. You got guys like Boyd there who has ability, and I think Boyd actually helps him see better looks, though it does hurt his target share, you know? But T. Higgins, man, is a legit player. He's proven it. He's special, man. He's a guy that was hard. I actually, it was CeeDee Lamb was my one wide receiver. Higgins and Jefferson was hard for me. It really was. So, Higgins. I like Higgins, Todd. I think the best thing is that he can finally uh, emerge from A.J. Green's shadow next year because A.J. Green's really held him back in his production. Um, Give you a whole lot of air yards available. Yeah, so I think that's the biggest thing going forward. Uh, uh, Anyway, Uh, but uh, I'll digress a little bit. Uh, Just quickly, Tegan. Yeah, I think I know him. Do you need directions to Tilted Bar and Brewery? I might eventually. Yeah, I will. Uh, once the offseason okay. hits, I'll, I'll All go right. there. But uh, All right. I good, will man. say that this is the time to move on from Zach Taylor if I was the Bengals. <laughs> the time to move on to Zach Taylor is not hiring him in the first place. <laughs> but shouldn't have hired him in the first place. Zach Taylor's a time to move on. Uh, they're gonna. I think they're going to invest in... I forget his name. Is it Swell or Swill? The Oh, Swell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Swell out of Oregon. So Swell lands there, that automatically just, there's a lot of things happening here. And that's why I also would maybe think about going Burrow here. But there's just a lot of things happening in Cincinnati that I am willing to, I'm, I'm happy with going to Higgins here. But my next pick will be Joe Burrow for all these reasons. I think uh, he gets healthy. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, injuries heal eventually. Uh, Burrow's injury is bad, dude. It is a yep. bad injury. Yeah, so- but it's not like, it's not like his, his career's over. No one said that. He might not play the entire next year. But, okay. Injuries heal, Todd. Injuries heal. Man, you are not a doctor, but you do not. You treat every injury differently. Huh? Do I have to say that injuries heal? Like, is that, do, has you heard anyone say that Burrow's career is over with? No, but I, but it makes me worry process. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I don't hate this pick. I don't hate this pick. I, I actually had, like, Burrow in the mid-second, by the way. Wow. Yeah. 110, I'm happy with Burrow. Uh, I think he probably gets back. I, maybe he starts the year on PUP. I think he's back by midseason. Uh, so at 111 was the 101 in most drafts. CEH, absolutely, dude. I mean, I, I'll go on. Like, I, there's definitely a clip somewhere of me talking about the potential of, like, he could bust or, like, he could not be. Not I wouldn't say bust. He couldn't live up to what people were putting him up to. Like, his capital was insane. Like, I would have traded him after I drafted him. No doubt, because it was nuts what people were thinking about him. However, still a good player, still the best back, and a phenomenal offense, and he's only a rookie. Perfect place to pick him and see if he takes a step in the next direction. 
Damian Williams coming back means nothing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. CH, all day. He's still the RB13, Todd. I know. I know. Like Which that's is insane like, to think about. Yeah. And he it, hasn't even scored the TDs to go along with it. Is it not? Yeah. Is it David Montgomery, the RB11 in PPR right now? That's not. That's I, not. Off the top of my head, I, I just know he's he's doing well. Um, that's crazy. It, he, he's doing well in fantasy, but yeah. I want to hate on Clyde Hilaire and say like, hey, because my second ever article was saying that he could have the Sony Michelle thing, like where he is not as good that everyone says he is. And he, he's kind of had that season. Like he's, yeah, he's been okay. He's been good. But when yeah, you say like no, RB. It, it's true. We, we, I guess we, I guess we both had like a similar point, except that like you did a lot more research. So he was my <laughs> RB5 heading into the draft. And then I moved him up to RB2 begrudgingly. I was not happy about it. I was like, Ugh, draft capital, Ugh, the offense. It was, Begrudging. Now, that being said, I still think he's a valuable dynasty asset. I think there's a buy window with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, especially if he, he continues to not score touchdowns. But I, I will, yeah, I'll take the lead back. I, I don't think Le'Veon Bell's not there forever. I'll, I'll take Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So then it goes to me next. Uh, I think this is a close out the first round for us. Yep, the 112. This gets a little interesting here. I think I'm going to go. I'm probably forgetting someone here because this is my rankings get a little bit more hazy. You're going to say it. Say it. Say it. I think I'm going to go. Say it. You hated him. You hated him so hard, but you're going to pick him right now. Sorry. Jerry Judy's the next player. I knew I was missing someone. It's Jerry okay. Judy. Okay. Still not the guy I was thinking of. Okay. Jerry Judy. I Yeah. No, I'll take Jerry Judy over Chase Claypool any day. Um, Jerry Judy is getting the target share. They just need a good quarterback in, in, in Denver. Jerry Judy has been everything that you'd want him to be. That offense yep. is going to be dynamite. If they get a good quarterback, they, Tim Patrick is being slept on. They're they're no Tim Patrick is very slept on. Uh, I this is an exciting offense here. Yeah, I'll take Jerry Judy here. He he's hitting in a lot of peripherals still. Jerry Judy, I'll take Jerry Judy here. All right. So real quick, one hundred one, my pick. So I'm the odds. Dave is the evens. One hundred one, Justin Herbert. One hundred two, DeAndre Swift. One hundred three, Tua. 104, Justin Jefferson. 105, C.D. Lamb. 106, Jonathan Taylor. 107, James Robinson. 108, J.K. Dobbins. 109, T. Higgins. 110, Joe Burrow. 111, C.E.H. And 112, Jerry Judy. Wow, what a boneheaded mistake by me, yours truly, for not going Antonio Gibson there. Totally just overlooked him. Todd's going to roast me for that next week when we come back and we talk about our second round rookie redraft. We have a lot to get to still. There's just too many good players from the 2020 class to just breeze through in 10 minutes. We didn't feel like it was justified for the listeners. So we're coming back next week. Bonus episode, second round rookie redraft for the 2020 class. All right, I'm going to kick it back to Todd here and he's going to wrap up the show for us. David, where can they find you, buddy? Find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. Uh, you can find me right here on the airwaves at uh, Tale Two Rivals. Please, guys, we're really just uh, Todd and I and Sean, too, who we missed today. We're just happy. To, like, I'm really excited for the offseason. This season is Todd's and I first season producing in-season content. Uh, if you look back at Tale Two Rivals last year, we really struggled with in-season content. I think our in-season content has been very good this year. We made a lot of improvements. We just quit last year. Ex- we quit. <laughs> I'm excited, Todd. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I was like, uh, where do you go? I'm just excited where we're going to go this offseason. I think 
the the dynasty strategy that we're going to get into, the player evaluations, dealing with this 2021 class, with all of the COVID stuff, all these variables, we're going to, I'm just really excited what we're going to do in Tail Rivals here. And just let's do this, Todd. And then you can also find me at dynastyleaguefootball.com and also me occasionally at Rookie Fever Podcast. And yeah, that's where you can find me, Todd. Where I can find you. You can find me at FF underscore Banterman on Twitter. I have exactly probably one-sixth of the follower this Dave does. And um, that's because Dave straight up grinds, and Dave's earned that. Um, though I'm always down to banter, hit me up, man. I love to have, talk about fantasy football, fantasy basketball. Are there fantasy basketball people out there? I'd love to talk to you. Um, so... Um, also, so putting out Debbie pieces and Dynasty pieces at actually the IDP guys is where I've been jumping over to. So it's part of the same network, but I'm over on that piece now. And we're going to be putting out a rookie magazine this year, which I'm super excited to write for. It's always been a dream of mine to write for a fantasy magazine and stick that in a, a keepsake for the rest of my life, which I'm excited about. Uh, got some phenomenal writers over there. The last magazine was absolute fire, and I hope this year's even better. And um, I believe that uh, Joey the Tooth and I will be starting a Devi podcast in the near future. So, um, is that okay with you, Dave? You doing okay Whoa, over there? I see. <sighs> All right, let's end the podcast. Let's end the podcast. <laughs> I, I can't handle this. I feel like I'm being broken up with live on air. <laughs> I mean, it's because I said the same hell thing. I take back what I said about same hell. I take what I said. I he's a he's a great quarterback, Todd. Great quarterback. Todd, come back. Come back. <laughs> nah, man. I mean, tail two rivals always number one in my heart, my one oh one. But hey, man. Debbie's it. I, I'm super excited to be doing some Debbie stuff. It's gonna be fun. Um to be fun to get some banter on. And um yeah, so um definitely look out for that stuff and please hit me up on Twitter. Always down to banter. And you know what the other thing I have to say about this off season is, Dave? We want to hear from you. We want to know what kind of content do you want? What kind of things do you want us to talk about? We want to help you. You know, we have a great time with this show, but at the end of the day, we want to help. We're Men of the people, you know? So if you got a great idea, let us know. Sad, we'll find your emails. Uh, for everybody else, hit us <laughs> All right? Todd, we could have gone for about four hours tonight. Dude, we, yeah. That was the fastest we've ever done anything. Um, now, if Kenny was here, he would have had to go on long soliloquies about making long, drawn-out analogies about this player. And things like vernacular. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not on this level. We miss him. We miss him. <laughs> <laughs>